0: you like wine and you like cigars, then today's episode is going to be just for you. My special guest for today's Deep Cuts Live is Vlad Stoyanov. He is the owner of a new brand called Psalm Cigars, so it's the fusion of the wine world with the cigar world. Let's get to our guest. Today. Vlad, how are you t- today?
1: I'm fantastic. Believe it or not, it's uh, it's actually really cold in Vegas. We had snow yesterday. Oh, wow. So, something that doesn't really happen often, and it's like 42, 43, you can't tell by the... Uh, and there's actually quite a bit of wind, you can't tell from, the, from my wavy hair, but it's definitely there.
0: <laughs> well, like I said, it's great to have you on. I know I've been following you for a while now, and so when I heard that you were releasing your own kind of brand, it definitely... Uh, I was like, I have to have Vlad on to talk about it, because... I'm always curious about people who want to uh, launch a brand in this industry now because it's not an easy thing to do. Obviously, you're you're up for the challenge of uh, what's to come.
1: I've I've been working with cigars in one shape or or form for the past wow it's been more than ten years now. Um, Wow, obviously, it it came through my uh, primarily my hospitality experience. Uh, My first cigar came through my wine ed- education, funnily enough. Um, in Europe, I went through this uh, introductory uh, sommelier training. And sommelier is... Um, yeah, obviously, there's been a, a little uh, expansion and like more people are aware of what it is. Uh, in its essence, it's really a, a wine expert, right? Someone who specializes in wine to work primarily in in food and beverage within the hospitality industry. However, um The sommelier training can come uh, very handy, whether it's, uh, it doesn't have to be food and beverage specifically, it can be tourism related, right? Like you can work just at a winery, you can work as a tour guide, there's a bunch of different things that you can really work with it. Uh, The main difference would be in Europe, it's more of a certification, really, it's it's not a position per se, unless you end up in, you know, a two or three star Michelin restaurant where you're just doing wine. Uh, So... I kind of wanted to expand my background to hospitality uh, and I do have a hotel management degree and economics degree with a focus in uh, macro and micro tourism. So, uh, during my, my, uh, my schooling, I basically wanted to expand and, you know, kind of make my resume stand out. And I always loved food and beverage. Uh, I still cook quite a bit. My parents always, uh, hosted when I was growing up and, and I just wanted to learn more really. So during this training, Uh, we had two days that were just focused on cigars. Uh, one way, one day was just full theory, right? So four hours of just, this is what a cigar is, right? Like going from the basics, like wrapper, binder, filler versus like, Mm -hmm. this is where the leaves grow on the plant. This is, you know, the higher leaves have higher nicotine content, et cetera, right? Like all these, what I consider pretty basic in in standard things now, um, all the way to, and again, I, I did this in Europe, um. Primarily because this was a, a Cuban-focused market, uh, we didn't have the plethora of choices that we have here, right in the United States. Obviously, the Cubans—you can't walk into a your local gas station and buy a Cuban, but um, like you can in Europe, in some cases. So my first cigar was actually a Cuban Punch Punch. Um, in the, the my mentor, Dravko, uh, was a was very adamant about you don't have to smoke a cigar, but this is part of your tool set. You need to learn about it. And uh it really appealed to me. My my dad smoked cigars or has still smoked cigars since early 90s. Uh his favorite cigars are Roman Julieta number two. So uh you know basically it was like hey this these are the eight, nine different brands from Cuba. Obviously they're available on the market. These are the flavor profiles. Um you know you need to learn about them because they're another potential revenue stream and it is part of total hospitality right like you taking care of the guest and uh, the dinners and lunches in general tend to be much longer and much less rushed than they are here so it is quite you know you go out for a for a business lunch it might be three or four hours easily right and then you'll finish off with a cigar and things like that um, and a lot of the stuff kind of translated so it really appealed to me right the sense of place where it grows, how you blend it, um, how you age it, how do you treat it? There's a couple of different ways, couple of different, um, choices you can make during the, from the growing process to the fermentation process, to the actual rolling process, to the aging process, all of these things will, uh, inevitably change, uh, your, your experience, hopefully for the better, right? All of us strive to kind of make the best possible experience we can in,
0: in really rolled form. Right. And Hmm. to backtrack just a little bit, when you were talking about your childhood and your parents hosting these events that kind of, I guess, influenced you to be kind of in that mindset of being a host. um, What was your childhood like? Like when you were young, did you see yourself like what did you see yourself doing? Did you see yourself kind of doing what you're doing today or like what were (laughs) what were the dreams of the young lad?
1: oh i don't know it tends to change quite a bit actually funnily enough i i was uh i really wanted to become a uh a programmer actually as a kid uh mm-hmm. i i do have a slightly nerdy streak so i've i've been in and around computers since 93 or 94 really like we're talking you know 486s and pentium one and you know like i've built computers from the ground up right like you know, Mm -hmm. early nineties, like beta tested quite a few games. uh, And because I lived in Serbia, right? Like, I don't think anybody can prosecute me for this, but we weren't really getting original games, right? For 40, 50 bucks. Um, A lot of it was done, you know, CDs, uh, rips, torrents, downloads, things like that. Again, this is 20 years ago Uh, at, you know, 64 kilobyte downloading and, you know, you have to use dial up and things like that. So um, what really threw me off, was there was a ton of math, and while I do understand and like math, I don't love it necessarily. Right. Uh, so my second choice was all right. I always like cooking, and uh, that really appealed to me. So when I was when I was in high school, uh, I kind of decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna work in a restaurant, or I'm gonna be a chef. Uh, and if you think about it, right, like this is early, early to mid two thousands, that's really. You know, the celebrity chefs, things becoming more like becoming a more acceptable profession in a career rather than like something you just kind of do. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So it, it, it kind of made sense and appealed to me at the time. Um so I started working in a restaurant when I was 16, literally washing dishes, so I could have a chance to, you know, at some point become a prep cook. And and I used to train rowing at the time as well, so my schedule was pretty filled up. And then I would cook on the weekends with uh, my mom, typically, or or my grandma, right, Well, she was still alive. So it was always like how to. It, it always appealed to me, right? It was a, it was a creative thing, um, and as as. I guess this kind of makes sense, but you get to see the people's reactions, right? To something that is very familiar to all of us, something very near and dear to us, right? Food. Um, And, you know, there's always that saying that there is no truer love than the love of food because it doesn't expect anything from you except to be eaten and enjoyed. So um, I went there from, from, I really had no idea what I would be, but at one point I was like, okay, I'm going to be a chef. So I want to, I applied for my uh, college entry exam, and then, you know, two years in, (laughs) because this is the kind of prep work that I did, uh, I realized that I couldn't apply for culinary arts, and instead I had to apply for hotel management, and then I could transfer six months later. So with this, um, I realized that I could walk around in a suit and talk to people and make about the same money or maybe a little bit more rather than standing in clogs in a kitchen for 10 to 12 hours a day surrounded by grease, uh, you know, hot temperatures and uh, shrimp, for example, or like, you know, one of the things that I did for, for, as a prep cook, which I still, you know, to this day, yeah, I'll eat shrimp, but literally the first day I got promoted under quotes to prep cook, my first job was to peel I believe it would translate to about 50 pounds of shrimp. Oh, and no. if you've ever cleaned. Yeah. Like I can still yeah. smell it in the back. Like the memory is so strong. I can still smell it's it. The and least, I'm like, yeah. It's like the
0: yeah. Least, uh, enjoyable part of cooking with shrimp is like you said, yeah. that part, I can imagine you just sitting there hour after, you know, thirty it, minutes it really was hour. like hours, <laughs> of hours of just
1: cleaning it. And no matter oh, how much, no. like, how, you know, how yeah. I, you know, how much you showered and everything. It just, it, I can probably, <laughs> it's still seeped in my pores 20 years later. Um, so yeah, I decided, okay, let's, let's do hotel management. Uh, tried it, really fell in love with it. And from that, that point onward, uh, I've, I've traveled around the world, worked in a bunch of different countries, uh, always usually at that high end four and five star um, hospitality or high end restaurants. Uh, and really that kind of infers a lot of, how I do business, which is, and things always, there are always mistakes and things will always go wrong in business. Um, Mm -hmm. my, my approach is to always err on the side of generosity. Um, because I'm, I'm never looking for the short term, right. I'm never looking today for tomorrow. I'm looking now for, you know, from now to 50 years, knock Mm -hmm. on wood, hopefully later. Right. And in the grand scheme of things, I think erring on the side of generosity is is the right way to do it, and whenever there is an issue, I think your your response and your approach should be it's taken care of. Uh, and I always tend to highlight the American Express approach, right? If you've ever if you have an American Express and you've ever had an issue and you call them, a, someone always picks up the phone. There's no wait eight minutes un- until clicking through seven different menus. Someone's always picks up the phone mm-hmm. because if you're calling about an issue, You're already frustrated, right? So when someone answers very, very quickly, um, it doesn't add to your frustration. And then typically they'll ask you, you know, one or two questions and they'll go, okay, it's taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. And you're like, oh, okay, great. And you go along with your day. And again, they're just, you know, this is the cost of doing business for them. Like things will go wrong and you can't stay in business by making people miserable unless you work in New York. That's, that's like my hospitality, like, that's my hospitality
0: belief. Um, when it comes to the wine, like I know, um, there are a lot of people in the cigar industry that actually are big, you know, I would say wine aficionados. Um, and you probably are almost the leader of the pack, uh, in that regard. So when it comes to wine, like what about wine, like really appeal to you? Like, (laughs) What made you kind of really get into it and like say like this is awesome, this is great, this is something that I can, you know, really make a career out of. So I
1: don't know if I'd I'd say I'm the leader of a pack. I'm sure people drink more expensive wines and and uh, rarer wines than I do, Uh, but I have worked specifically with wine for uh, probably almost a decade. Um, I've competed Mm -hmm. in the European. Uh, SOM championship, L.A. championships, I ended up in the quarterfinals. I was, uh, I competed in the United States for the young SOM competition. I think I, I placed third, I have a medal somewhere. I was for the West coast. So it was like seven, eight, uh, seven or eight States or something. I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, I did sit for the advanced exam. I do have the ASI diploma, which is at the time when I passed, um, it was the second year that they were doing. It. I was one of the seven people in the world to pass it at the time. Um, so if nothing else, like I, that was truly my career before, before this. Um, but when it comes to wine, like <laughs> work with it, uh, it's, a, it's, this will sound very romantic and kind of a little out there. Uh, but if I, I tend to treat cigars the same way, right. When you run into this amazing bottle of wine, what it will really do is it'll grab you by your hand and say, Hey. Let me take you on a journey and I'll take you on a journey from wherever you're sitting, whoever you're sitting, sitting with. And if they're really close friends, maybe they'll be along for the ride as well. And it'll go, look, this is where I grow. These are the, these are the hills that I grow on. This is the sun that's, you know, kissed my skin for the last year while I was growing. These are the oak barrels, for example, if they use oak barrels, obviously that I rested in. These are the bottles, like these are the guys who are making it. And ultimately, when you take all of these things, right, the sense of place, the climate, the aging, the bottle, right, like the fermentation, all of these things. When you break all of that down and strip it down, it's magic. It really is. It's all of these elements held together inside of a grape, created and ultimately and ending as a liquid which you can enjoy what other thing in this world can teleport you to a different place cigars do the same thing if you look at it very few of us have have the privilege of going through the farms and tobacco farms i mean um there it's a different approach to wine but uh wine is a lot more approachable and easier to get primarily because um there aren't any real major tourist regions that come to mind. And I'm talking about, right, like from a consumer perspective, right? Like it's, there's mm-hmm. no nap tobacco, right? Something that you're like, oh, we're just gonna, we're gonna go to Santiago or Esteli for the weekend, right? To taste mm-hmm. all these new tobaccos. Um, right. There isn't something like that. Um, it could be a bunch of different reasons why, but uh, ultimately it's, it's not as approachable. And uh, when it comes to, when it comes to that tobacco, right, ultimately this this cigar has 54 years worth of aged tobacco combined, right? Uh, with, especially when you age wine, kind of the same thing happens where you get the privilege of tasting time, right? And these 15 seconds that have passed, we'll never get them back. Yes, we will have this fossil of time that's been recorded, right? Because that really is a, is a fossil of time but we'll never get it back and we won't be able to taste it. But guess what? A bottle of wine aged for three, five, 10, 15 years, or this tobacco that's been aged for 25 years for the wrapper or the cigar that's been aged for 10 years, these tertiary notes, right? So you have the primary ones, which typically come from, and and I'll go to grapes and then switch to tobacco, right? So primary notes come from the, come from the uh, varietal. Um, secondary will come from aging, right? Typically, oak, uh, the use of oak. Um, there's a couple of different other different things that you can use for secondary aging, but primarily when you say secondary aging, you mean oak and think of it as layers, right? A little layer cake. So the top notes are going to be your primary thing, right? Like let's say Cabernet. Secondary is going to be oak. Let's say French oak. And then tertiary notes is these notes that develop over time. That's literally the taste of time. So, very long way of saying why do you like wine and why do you like cigars? It's the ability to taste the passion of people who've made it, nurtured it. Where, what did they think when they made this? Um, much like, you know, what do you get when you try a steak? You taste time, right? You taste the actual impact of time over 18, 27, 90 days. Mm-hmm. So, very, very long way of saying, Um, it's magic.
0: (laughs) So for someone like you who, who has experience with wine stuff, if someone is not uh, as well-versed in wine as you like, and they want to pick out a good bottle of wine, is it almost like cigars where you kind of have to experiment and, you know, find out, like taste a bunch of different wines and figure out what you like and what you don't like. Or is there any tips that you usually give people on how to find a wine that might resonate with them in their palate?
1: Yes. Uh, I always urge experimentation. Um, I, I always, when people say, Oh, I just drink X or I just smoke Y. I always tend to nudge them in very gently. and be like, look, you're, you're robbing yourself. I'm not saying this, this is good or bad. You're robbing yourself of more experiences, right? When you say, I just drink Rose. Well, why? You have the option of tasting white wine, sparkling wine, dessert wine, red wine. There's a plethora. You're locking yourself out of 80% of the world. So yes, ex- exploration, 100%. Uh, try stuff that you've never heard about. Try, if you like Napa cabs, I urge you to try Rioja, right? Or Ribera del Duero. Spanish wines very approachable, fruit forward. You get... Um, V- very similar profiles. However, this is old world, right? European European way. You can try Rome right? Southern or Northern Rome Try, I think, Paso and Napa. It's not really a, a great comparison, but if you like those styles, whether Paso or Napa cabs, I say try those things. It's an approachable, very similar way, um, which uh, it works for cigars, right? Let's say you have, you enjoy very pepper forward cigars, but you want to slowly maybe transition to something that's a little bit creamier. There's a couple of brands that are known for this profile where you still get the the, the spice, right, that you're used to out of a Nicaraguan cigar. For, and, I'm, and I'm talking very broad strokes here. Um, but it might have more creaminess to it. So you're slowly transitioning from this, you know, full bodied pepper in your face to slowly maybe like the medium or sorry, medium to full or maybe medium bodied, medium strength, medium, medium full strength cigar. So yes, exploration always, always, always. Uh, as far as, um, I guess if price pays, uh, plays a point and it should because you're kind of looking for the best bang for your buck and something that corresponds to your palate. Um, I personally love drinking the catena Malbec. Catena is, uh, it's very, e- you can find it very easily. Total Wine, Costco. I don't know if you can find them in grocery stores like Target. I I don't think I've ever bought wine in Target, but again, it's very approachable and there's enough Costco's and hopefully you're a member. I think Costco is phenomenal. So you can very easily find it and I think it's 20 bucks or less. Uh, High elevation vineyards, very elegant, but you get the purity and power of Napa fruit without it being cloying and overpowering. And it's like 20 bucks. I always have at least a bottle in in my house. And my girlfriend and I will just open it. If we have friends over, it kind of hits across the board. Um, it doesn't break the bank. It's incredible quality to price ratio. Uh, that's of course, if you like red wines uh, for whites, uh, again, uh, very, very, uh, huh. I actually can't remember when I bought a white last time around, just because my girlfriend doesn't really drink a lot of wine and, uh, or drink a lot of white wine. Let me preface mm-hmm. that. I love white Bordeaux, So, I will, you know, Doisy Diane uh, is a very, very uh, good one. It doesn't break the bank. I think it's like 30-something bucks. Again, that's Bordeaux, so it's Sauvignon Blanc, but it does age in oak. It has this beautiful vineyard peach. Um, try it. See if you like that style. Uh, Italy is incredible as well for whites and reds. It, uh, the country um, is an absolute cradle of wine. So if you go north to south, you have an incredible array of different things you can try and just Exploring Italy alone might take you months, years if you do it right, until you figure out at least a region that you enjoy. Uh, U.S. alone, I mean, Santa Barbara County is is absolutely incredible. I live there. Um, I am. I, I love the wines, and I hold them very. They're very near and dear to my heart. The Chardonnays from Santa Rita Hill are absolutely incredible. Uh, Oregon as well for Pinot Noir. If you want a Burgundy style, it's about as close as you can get. Uh, Santa Maria as well. And the, none of these wines really break the bank. I think most will, you can find most of these, even the super high-end things that I consider flagships, you can find them for maybe 50 bucks for the most part. So really explore, 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 explore. My suggestion is see what you like from the varietals and then try their, try different regions of the same varietal. That way you'll kind of get an understanding of... What does Australian Shiraz taste like versus a uh, Syrah from France? Um, how does Tempranillo compare to, um, let's say, Barolo or Barbara or Barolo or a Sangiovese out of Italy? Uh, Chianti is also very, very approachable, uh, especially so if you do end up enjoying the freshness in the fruit of, uh, of Rioja and Ribera del Duero. Maybe try some Sangiovese so Chianti or Brunello di Montalcino. Uh, Sicily has been on a on a real tear recently, if, as far as like regions that have get, been getting a lot of notoriety. Uh, Planeta Planeta being one of the relatively affordable and approachable producers, probably one of the best ones as well. Uh, from a Chardonnay to a Syrah to something like Nerello Mascarlese, which is think imagine. Imagine Pinot Noir through through an Italian lens in the South. Really interesting stuff. And again, my I've always been just explore, 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 explore. Your life will ultimately end up being richer just for having the depth and breadth of experiences. And they don't have to be expensive either.
0: So now you have all this experience in wines. You work in you work with cigar brands, and then all of a sudden you decide to create and launch your own brand. So tell us about that process. Like how did you get to the point where you were saying yourself, I'm ready to kind of, you know, really dive into this category and create my own brand.
1: So this kind of started back in 2020. Um, This was supposed to be my celebration of a a partnership, friendship, and all these other great things that come from, you know, a long term relationship with people, um, Mm -hmm. including Hendrik, right, Kellner, who ended up making this at his Kellner boutique factory. Uh, And really, it was never meant to be, you know, oh, I'm going to make a brand and, you know, it's going to be the next whatever. Um, No, it was always meant to just be a celebration of my take on what brands that I work with and distribute do, right? So, the one guiding principle was always it has to be unique and it has to be special for some particular reason so in this case we're highlighting the wrapper which is 25 years old uh, the binder is 15 years old uh, both come from the Kellner family and from their fields so again something very very special something very 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 hard to get and then in the fillers you have the San Vicente Vis- uh, Viso which is uh, again uh, grown grown uh, widely in, in Dominican Republic it gives this and pardon me, I'm going to get a little bit technical here. It does have this beautiful uh, mouth-watering acidity that it gives to blends. So if you smoked enough cigars, you can kind of notice how when you take a puff, whether or not it either dries your palate or makes you salivate. San Vicente tends to make your mouth salivate. So uh, Henry Kellner Jr. typically uses this as, as a base for his blends. Um, then Peruvian Pelo d'Oro. Obviously, it's it's a, a tobacco that, that I'm familiar with from using it in, in the blends of numerous brands that i've worked with and then there is an african hybrid which i know very little about uh Hendrick knows a little bit more i've asked him i just don't know enough about it to me i've, I've done a fuma tasting and it tasted like somewhere between este, uh, Esteli and condega in terms of profile just not as much strength to it and and i've never really liked cigars that are about strength that is about just nicotine strength I've, it's never been and again when you when you look back and look at the, the European palette of it, right? Like primarily growing up smoking Cubans and enjoying that profile. They're not really strong. Um, right. You know, there are no triple and quadruple heroes in the Cuban portfolio. Um, so really it was, hey, let me see what the the other brands are doing and this is my take on them. Um, unfortunately, it didn't quite pan out that way. So it, it, it kind of ended up being forced into making... It, to becoming a standalone brand, uh, which is which I'm okay with. Uh, the whole idea is, it'll never be massive. Uh, the tagline of the brand is "Selective by Choice," uh, which means selective about what we work with, who we work with, who makes the stuff for us, and not rushing things. Uh, really, just taking the time. So there's two blends to start with. One is made a calendar boutique family. Uh, oh, sorry, counter Boutique Factory, which is Dominican Republic, right? So uh, that is going to be in this beautiful five-count green box. And you can actually see the logo as well. Um, I'm going to – hopefully you guys can see it. So the logo uh, – sorry, there's a little bit of glare. So the logo, what it actually does, you can see the grapes here. The grapes transform in, whoop, grape transforms into tobacco leaves, kind of highlighting the sommelier background and then changing into – into grapes, um, and again, it is a sommelier selection. Really, it's kind of selected small. Um, the other blend will come from the Cavalier Factory F- FCT in Honduras, uh, and it highlights Honduran broadleaf, uh, something that I've tried, and I'm friends. And friends that hang out with me know that I'm not a huge broadleaf fan. I've just that's not the pro- profile I enjoy. However, I've I've never had Honduran broadleaf before until I went there in April. Uh, of last year and i created a blend around it and uh, full disclosure i did not i'm not going to take credit for blending this i told Hendrik what i would like and he put it together and we tweaked it a little bit and we chose it the fct blend i've i've blended uh, uh not because of some insane blending knowledge i literally smoked the fuma tastings thought about their interactions, the way they're going to work with each other. And I said, look, um, nobody is really highlighting Honduran Broadleaf. Uh, to my knowledge, at least, uh, I believe there's one more brand that came out with their double Broadleaf. So this is something interesting. The profile is completely different from anything else I've had. And I think it should be a, a showpiece. Um, and I think it does. Once, once I tell you what the actual profile is, it imparts to the cigar, and you end up smoking the the Bordeaux, which is BDX, the the one in the purple box that's coming out, uh, or that that's already out. Um, you will understand. So it gives this beautiful cereal grain like sweetness, uh, oatmeal, but really just a ton of uh, honey nut Cheerios. Really, that's that's what, what that's what it reminds <laughs> like. Um, and and I know this sounds very very funny when I say it, but it really does. Um, it's on a scale of one to five, if you say you know medium full flavor, but the strength is almost non-existent. It's maybe one and a half, two. So very light strength, but just pure flavor. Um, and then it's and then it's complemented by Mexican San Andres, right? Wrapper a, a that is near and dear to many of us. Uh, Jalapa Viso to give you the sweetness, uh, impart a little bit of that dark chocolate, the cocoa. Uh, but definitely lots of sweetness. And then there's a Viso and then San Andres in the filler as well. So it's kind of, I double down on both, but you still get the Honduran broadleaf shining through. Um, so yeah, what, you know, ultimately my question is, and, and this mostly comes from the wine world, like what are you adding to the conversation? Like why this instead of whatever else, whatever else that's been, what, what hasn't been done? So I banked on the, 54 years worth of aged tobacco from one of the most elite small factories in existence Kellner Boutique factory and then the other blend leans into the Honduran Broadleaf uh, a tobacco to my knowledge that nobody is really using and highlighting Uh, that's not to say that there isn't just to my knowledge nobody is really you know making it a signature so I hope people are gonna like it and, and it adds something to the conversation. I, I do plan on working with with that and just seeing how I can uh see how I can highlight in the future blends. And then the partnership portion of it, uh my take on, on brands that I distribute, I think that might still happen. We might do uh an Uncle Vlad, because we do Judgy Bobby and Judgy Bobby means Uncle Bob in Albanian. So you might do an Uncle Vlad, but in Serbian uh, as a as a little homage. Uh, might do a Lampert song. We might do some other things as well. But um, until I know more, we're just going to keep it at that.
0: So when you're creating this brand, not just the the blends for the cigars, but this brand in general, what was the biggest challenge? Because I know, you, like you said, you have experience working with cigars, but I'm sure it was a little bit different when you're – like, this is your brand this is your product you know this is more of you you're not just representing a brand anymore it's like you knew like when this is out in stores and on a store shelf it's like associated with you so what was the biggest challenge that you kind of faced how did you kind of get over that challenge uh,
1: uh timeline i i know as much as i as much as i work with other brands and you know the timing is always off when people say it's tuesday The inevitable question that follows up, is it this Tuesday? Is it next Tuesday? Is it 17 Tuesdays from now? Um, It's just, that is the nature of the beast. You are working remote. So, for example, boxes that were paid in November were finished the last week. Right, So there's like three months of just waiting for the boxes to be done. Um, Just organizing everything because you're ultimately working remote. And it does require quite a bit of trust. Uh, to quote my dad, the only way to know if you can trust someone is to trust someone. <laughs> so it does require quite a bit of trust because you are doing everything remote. Um, I'd say that was probably the biggest just getting everything in line timeline wise. Um, the other portion would be i've I've advised the brands that I work with like what would work. This is going to be the way. Everything I've advised, this is how I want it done. I do want to make sure that my cigars have a pull tab on the back so you can take a ring. But guess what? The rings that came up that we've made didn't have them. And making the new ones because they missed it somewhere in the production process, right? So the new rings are going to take weeks that I don't have to, to wait for getting stuff remade and then mm-hmm. sent. So I have to make a compromise, which I'm not happy about, but it is what it is. The barcodes ended up being printed wrong, so I had the option of waiting a couple of more weeks or like doing it as, as as is. Again, I don't like making these compromises, but I understand and and I I understand them. And those are the challenges, right? Like making sure that everything's set up in time. But ultimately, this all of this doesn't matter um, when it comes in the big picture of things. Uh, I will support this brand just like I support all the other brands that I work with. I, I'm uh, When working with retailers, I'm, I do believe it's a partnership, and I always aim for that, where it's not like, okay, you bought the cigars, you know, now it's on you. Um, and, and one of my friends actually, <laughs> friends and, and people I work with, right, uh, they mm-hmm. highlighted this funny little thing. He goes, you never really ask for the sale right which is which is a a sale thing like you always ask how can i support what you're doing uh and and he's like for a long time i always thought that was kind of like your way of asking for the sale but you really mean that um and i've jokingly said well i need this for free and you're like okay and just you didn't ask me like do you want to add anything else And I kind of felt bad. So I ended up adding some stuff on top of it anyway. And I'm like, no, I really do mean this. Like, I am going to, I enjoy talking to people because of the hospitality background. I love meeting people and, like, hey, when someone buys this cigar, I'm happy. You're supporting me and deciding that for whatever reason in this current moment, my cigar appealed to you out of thousands upon thousands of others that are different in, 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 in ways for my cigar, but you said, Hey, this appealed to me and you're supporting what I'm doing, which is to me, the most humbling and terrifying thing I can have. (laughs) I don't know if I explained it well. It's just (laughs) with, no, yeah, you know,
0: you know, when you told your friends and your peers and your girlfriend that, you know, you were going to start this brand, like, did anyone say like, are you sure you want to do this? Because. I know when I first started doing these interviews, I used to ask people like, what advice do you have for people who want to start their own brand? And, and lots of the brand owners would say, don't. <laughs> you know, that would be their advice. So it's like, did you get that from anyone where they're like, you're like, hey, I'm going to start my own brand. It's, you know, it's, it'll come out in 2022, 2023. And they're like, why? <laughs> like, like you, there's so many hurdles. Um, you just I, can't get a product I, these days and like send it out. So anybody was like, Blad, like, what are you doing? Like, did they did anybody kind of give you that feedback, or they were just like, "Yeah, go for it."
1: Not at all, actually. Uh, everybody was really support supportive, um, and, and very both privately and publicly. Uh, I do want to highlight Stefan uh, Lampert, which is he's a friend, and I, I do consider him a friend, and he's a business partner. Right, I distribute his brand here. Um, he was extremely supportive, uh, which kind of. Su- surprised me in a way, just because as a as a right, it, technically it would be a competing brand, but it really isn't, right? Um, right. Everybody was super supportive. Uh, a lot of my friends actually said, "What took you so long? Um, you've you've done the hard work for you know multiple brands over the last five years. You know why didn't you?" And it it never really came to me as an idea, primarily because. I didn't think I could add a lot to the already existing stuff. And then as I learned more, I actually realized I I can. And I was like, okay, now is the right time. And we can add a little bit something, regardless of how small. um, I can add a little bit something to the overall cigar landscape and make it better, hopefully. Um, So that's kind of it. Everybody was super supportive, except one person. (laughs) There's always one. Uh, There's always one. But yeah, actually, a, a lot of retailers uh, as well um, said, you know, finally, good on you, very supportive overall. Uh, again, the support alone, both blends have sold out before they were officially released. Uh, which, again, we're not talking hundreds of thousands of cigars, but still to have friends and colleagues and people you work with for years basically. And a lot of them didn't even try it. They just trusted that I would do the right thing. And between my integrity and honesty and transparency and the way I've worked for the past five years, it will be reflected in this. So, And they know they will have my support as well. So I'm I'm very grateful for the support. I was actually very moved and touched. And it took me a bit. Once I realized that, I literally had to sit down and be like, this hasn't actually hit me, right? Um uh, kind of when you reach those big milestones. Uh uh this is kinda of unrelated, but related. It took me uh I, I became a citizen last year. So I've I've lived in the States since twenty fifteen. Uh I officially became a US citizen last year. Uh, and it took me about I think two weeks, give or take, to kind of have things right, like you become aware of it, which is such a mm-hmm. you know unique experience. You're like Okay. This this happened. <laughs> um kind of like with these cigars. I mean, I've you know, we've we've seen them uh last week uh, or early early February I was in the Dominican Republic and I saw these cigars and we lit them up and I smoked them up, and I went you know, holy beep like <laughs> this is real. Like this is real. The boxes are here, the cigars are here like It's smoking incredible. Like, it's unique. It's great. Like, I need to take all these, uh, you know, I need to take these very detailed notes for my own, I think, to make sure that it still corresponds to what I initially found in them. Um, And then it ended up being uh, uh, two pages worth, right? Like, if you print it double sided, it's one piece of paper. Um, So, when I did these events that kind of highlighted and introduced it to people, they were unfortunately exposed to, to my brain, <laughs> to my internal. Like I didn't edit them at all. I literally just copy pasted of what I wrote and guided people for this whole experience. We guided them on this attentive appreciation uh, experience in and
0: in... it was great, I think. <laughs> I think what you said about your experiences in watching this is an important thing to highlight because in entrepreneurship – you know people automatically think product 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 product, but they forget that it takes a lot to actually launch a product like you can create the best product ever but as you said, if you had a bad reputation uh, or if that when you talked about at the beginning of the interview that generosity factor hadn't been there um, and that hospitality mindset hadn't been there and that play all these years, you know you'd be probably sitting here still like with lots of product that you needed to sell. And you, you know, maybe not feeling as as uh, confident, but you know there'll be lots of pressure on you to to you know get this product moved. So I think people need to remember, you know, with business, you know that relationship is really important, and you know you have to spend some time and some uh, sometimes some years, right, really building up your reputation and maintaining those relationships, and don't let you know, don't be one of those people who just tap into a relationship when you need something you know, a hundred percent. I think
1: you, you nailed it. And then especially for the, one of the things was like, okay, you what happens, right? Like someone asked, well, what happens if you can't sell these at, you know, all these cigars? And my response mm-hmm. was like, I think they're great. I'll, I'll smoke all of them. I'll give them away for friends and family. Um, because ultimately as, as much as I want to share them and, and make this, um, you know, available to people and have them try it and support it and hopefully like them as much as I do. Ultimately, if it's not a good fit, I'll smoke all of them and because I committed to them. I love them. I I thought it was great. So <laughs> that's the that's the uh that's the unknown factor of how it's going to go. Um and then yeah, absolutely. For the relationships, when it comes to um if you work hard and focus on doing the right thing, everything else will fall mm. into place. I I've, I've really, I really am a, a massive believer in this and relationships are priceless. There is, there are no relationships that you should sacrifice for money. In my opinion, uh, I always look for it long-term and ultimately the relationships are, are more important. At least that's, a, that has always been my, guiding principle which I've picked very early on from from one of my early mentors and I was just like focus 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 you know make sure that it's not one-sided make sure that it's always a a, a give and take if you will right like make sure that it's always mm-hmm. supportive on both ways and and uh you know I'm friends and I work with a lot of retailers and um, you know, actually I'll, I'll change it right my, one of my buddies started their businesses uh, you know I was I was in Serbia last year uh, visiting him and he's one of my early mentors he actually or mentees he actually just competed in the in the world Championship got the quarterfinals I'm very proud of him uh, we went to his restaurant and he wanted to give me a discount which really annoyed me because I'm there to support him I don't want a discount I told him to give me a discount once he's booked up for the next six weeks in advance mm-hmm. and i don't want a discount then give me a table because i'll care that you do want to support your friends and you know don't ask them for discounts if they just started you want to support them and i do the same for retailers I've, I've told them they're like no 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 we'll just do wholesale no i'll buy whatever it is that i need retail they're like why they're like you know don't be silly and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm supporting your business You've bought a bunch of stuff from me. Why would I not return the favor? Mm-hmm. And like, I'll smoke them. Yeah. Ultimately, would it be better if I got the cigars at wholesale pricing? Yeah, absolutely. But I want to support their business. Regardless if they just started out or they have, you know, are doing millions or double digit millions worth of revenue. It doesn't matter. I just want to support them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and that makes perfect sense. Cause I always feel, you know, Working on the media side of the cigar industry in particular, the mindset is always like, oh, you want to get into the media side so you can get free samples and stuff. And yet I buy a whole bunch of if somebody comes out with a cigar that I'm really interested in, I buy it, you know, and it, it's like I don't think we're all like you said, I think it's just a bad mindset to get into where um, you look for favors or, or handouts um, because it's a business and a business is there to make money there to support them, their family, their dreams and stuff like that. So let's not discredit, you know, their dream and their efforts, um, by asking for, you know, free stuff or or handouts or discounts. That's my mentality at least is, you know,
1: I I completely agree. And I, and I shared with you and, and, uh, uh, you mentioned new cigars coming out. I actually, uh, I tend to explore and just try whenever new people, whenever people come out with new stuff, mostly because I want to see, I want to try and understand where they were going with this. Right. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, what are they adding to the overall conversation? What are they adding to the cigar landscape? Because if it's another, I'm not actually going to highlight it because there's no nice way of saying it. Like if it's, right. it needs to, I love cigars that actually feel like someone cared about it every step of the way. And most cigars do feel like that. Very few cigars feel like they were an afterthought. Um, and I, am, I do uh, uh, very rarely have I actually encountered that. This is a small industry, and most people are very passionate about what they do, especially because it carries their name. So uh, I always try to understand where they were going, you know, what's the idea behind it. Um, and I, and I enjoyed, uh, quite a few, uh, uh other brands. I mean, I smoked them with some regularity. Most people are like, Oh, you mostly probably just smoke your stuff. And I'm like, no, I, I smoke everything under the sun because, and, and this also comes from the, from the wine world. I won't, <laughs> uh, I, I like to call it palate blindness or tunnel vision, if you will, uh, where mm-hmm. you kind of just get used to enjoying a certain style and you kind of, become blind to everything else. Um, so I've, <laughs> uh, I've given a wine to, to a winemaker. at One of the tasting, this was probably five years ago. Uh, that was from their neighboring vineyard and they're good friends with the winemakers and they, they share wines all the time. Um, he drank it and I was like, oh, this is terrible. Obviously, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you've had that wine with the label. With us four days ago, and said it was incredible. So, <laughs> right, you develop palate blindness, and I I know where my biases are when it comes to right from a personal standpoint. Uh, what I enjoy smoking, uh, but that is different when I'm looking at it from a business standpoint, or when I'm reviewing cigars for Cigar Journal. Um, yes, ultimately, you are you are using an imperfect tool. You're using your palate to kind of judge something. Um, not ultimately whether you like it or not. You're looking for the the profile, whether it's complex, all the things that can be, you know, everything. And we're talking about the profile. Those are things that are subjective to, to a certain extent. Um, the things that are, the cigars are judged objectively, meaning construction, the way it was rolled, uh, right? Like the bunching, uh, burn rate, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like smoke production. These are all, objective things that we can all kind of agree on. So I know where my biases are. And uh, funnily enough, one of the cigars that I rated the highest is something that I would probably never smoke. And I don't particularly like the profile. It's not something that I enjoy, but it was an incredible cigar. Even if it is a profile that I don't enjoy, which comes back from rating wines, right? Like you have to take your personal bias or try to uh, hedge it, as much as possible mm-hmm. and say okay i might not enjoy this style but this is what the blender intended um and it is a phenomenal representation of what the style is so it gets really high marks um i actually ended up buying a box of that funnily enough um at full price from a retailer <laughs> <laughs> in um, california no less so oh, the price is
0: very it was, worth it it, it was some, worth it. it was worth some, it. It was worth it. Yeah, you probably paid a little bit and gave a kidney and all that kind of stuff if you were mm-hmm. in California to, <laughs> just to get that cigar. Um, at this point in the show, I usually like to ask two questions mm-hmm. to kind of wrap things up. But one of those questions is Do you have a philosophy that you live by?
1: Uh, uh... I have a couple of guiding principles. Uh, one of them being, uh, consistency, which is something that a lot of us struggle. And then, uh, something that I actually stole out of a, uh, out of a hospitality book. It's called constant gentle pressure. So if you ever want to make changes, uh, over a long period of time, uh, especially when it comes to dealing with people, it has to be constant gentle pressure. If you're not constant, it'll come off as wishy-washy and noncommittal. If it's not the gentle, then it turns into you being an asshole. Right. And if there's no pressure, well, then you're not really doing anything. If you're just constant and gentle, you're not really going to make changes. So just onwards and upwards, constantly trying to be better and improving and constant improvement. I guess that would be, that would be one of them. Uh yeah, i guess i guess that's like the best the best way i can exp- explain it it's just constantly going forward gently looking at it 10 15 20 30 years down the line which and i do struggle with consistency all of us do it's it's incredibly difficult to do things consistently every day but just trying it right that's that's the best you can hope for striving for perfection if you will
0: but never reaching it <laughs> I think that's a good goal. It's like always set the bar so high, maybe that you know you maybe not will will be able to hit that bar, but it gives you a a, a way to kind of guide you. I would say through life, um, as you said, if you set the bar too low and you, and you you meet that goal, then it's like then what? Then you're kind of coasting, 100%. and you're not really growing. So, hundred percent. You you
1: can't really rest on your laurels. As 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 weird as that sounds, like your goal should be high and you should strive and work very hard towards them. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it comes down to um, when it comes to those goals, it's gotta be high and you have to hold yourself accountable. And and my girlfriend laughs because I really am my own harshest critic. Uh, And, and I don't think that's, that's probably something I should probably work on, but I really do put a lot of pressure on me to just, do better and, and I get annoyed when I don't meet my own expectations, even however high they are. There's, I know I could have done better and it just tends to be a, I'm sure that if there's a, someone who's really into psychology can break this down for me, which probably <laughs> explains the lack of hair. Now that makes complete sense, like I have um, no more hair left to lose, so it works.
0: <laughs> the, the last question. Um, of the interview is, uh, I want you to finish the sentence and this might be a, a good playoff of what you just said, but, um, that sentence is Vlad is,
1: uh,
0: incredibly hard on
1: himself. Question mark. <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, I don't, I, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Uh, I, I tend to I, I feel extremely bad when I don't meet those expectations. And especially when it comes to other people, like when it comes to me taking care of other people, uh, much to the annoyance of my close friends where I just go, I the hospitality thing really flows into everything, um, mm-hmm. everything that I do. And, you know, I always put myself, on like, how would I hypothetically like to be treated if I was in their position? Um, and it always ends up being... <laughs> at that five-star hospitality level.
0: Um, can you tell people what web, for those people who are not watching, of course, but what website they need to um, visit, what social media you have um, that they can keep in touch with you and also your brand? So the website should be done probably next week.
1: Uh, it's going to be Sommcigars, That's S O M M somcigars.com. Um, You'll be able to get in touch with them. There'll be uh, very detailed tasting notes of all the cigars, uh, obviously beauty shots, things like that, as well as locations where you can buy them. Um, The press release that that has already gone out will specify the original, uh, you know, 12, 13 shops that are the original founders, if you will, of the brand. Like from the ground up, we will highlight where they'll be available. Um, The whole brand. Uh, really the idea is to kind of cap it to a number of 50 people because that is something where I can really deliver the personal touch and be there at least once or twice a year. So we probably won't go past 50 50 uh, retailers around the country. And then uh, my social media, which I get constant flack for not being active. I believe my last post was from last year. Uh, I mostly <laughs> use Instagram for uh, throwing likes, sharing stories where people have tagged me or sending memes to about 12 different people. So, uh, if you do want to follow that, it'll be Vlad, the Psalm, V L A D, the Psalm, uh, right Church for sommelier. Um, I'll do better. I promise that has been the one thing I've been promising to myself for two years. And I just not really getting anywhere, but I will try. Um, and hopefully we get to see each other in person. Um, I do travel. I do a, probably about a hundred events a year. So I travel around the country. So hopefully we'll see each other in person. uh, Yeah. And one of the stores, I will probably post it on
0: Instagram. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully it's before, not a year after, but
1: yeah, I promise. I I don't even have Facebook anymore. Like the LinkedIn hasn't been updated in like four years, probably, you know, this just, I'm very much like, Hey, this is, I, I've private, if you will, as a, is a uh, social media wise, like I just keep a close group of friends. And like, I don't post anything cause I, I don't feel like I have a lot to add to the conversation. Social media wise.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, I want to thank you for being on today and I want to thank you for watching. Uh, if you're watching and you want to watch this, uh, episode, In this entirety Uh, you can go to deepcutslive.com and also all the other episodes they're over 100 now so um, you have plenty to keep you busy for a while Um, you can catch them on there and if you're listening to this on any of the um, podcasting apps like apple or spotify or heart radio um, just make sure you hit that subscribe button and also leave a comment because i like reading comments and there's also always room for improvement i'm my own harsh critic as well so um Here, here's say, my promise if you uh, if you leave comments i
1: will go through and answer them as well how about that that is my <laughs> commitment for being better when it comes to social media
0: awesome